Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Obadiah Smith, Jr. I am here, Jim. We are so glad to see you today, Obadiah. And let me just say, before we go any farther, this was a big day in your life. I'm a witness. Yes, you are. And you were there. I was there. You are a chaplain in the United States Air Force, and today you were promoted. Yes. You now carry the rank of? Lieutenant Colonel. I salute you. (laughs) So proud to know you. I was proud to know you before. Even more proud now. Had an honor for your presence, Jim. Thank you for being there. Well-deserved. And you know what? In your chaplaincy work, Obadiah, uh, I was so fascinated by some of the presentations made as you were about to take this oath of your new command and the framing of a chaplain in the military as being someone who doesn't carry an arm, who is not fighting a fight except fighting for the life and the good that can come from those with whom you minister in the armed services. Is that right? You're absolutely correct, Jim. It's actually having a broader view as far as what it means to take care of our airmen and walk through particular doors that God opens up and hopefully that you can leave your footprint of Christ in their lives. And that they, in their jobs, sometimes filled with stress and danger, will themselves find life and peace with God. Yes. So proud to have you with us at Viewpoint 2 as our co-host. And today, Obadiah, we're so glad that we have a guest that I know you know well. Oh, yes, Jim. (laughs) And when we come back, we want you to meet one of the men that I would consider to be a towering figure in the body of Christ who has so much experience and wisdom and a great passion for what we'll describe, as the scripture does, reconciliation. Stay with us. There's a passage in the New Testament, Obadiah. It's in the second letter of Paul to the Corinthian church, chapter 5, verse 19. I just want to share that as we begin our conversation today because it's one of the most, I'd say, compelling words of Scripture in the whole of the Holy Writ. This is what it says. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Yes. To reconcile. It is a word that speaks about building bridges, about developing harmony, about understanding differences and coming to common ground. And our guest today is someone whose life has been framed by this ministry of reconciliation. His name is Tyrone Cushman. Tyrone, we are so glad you're here. Oh, I'm the one that's glad. I'm honored. (laughs) Tell us first a little bit about Tyrone Cushman. Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. I've heard of it. I went through the school system there, graduated from Wayne State University, and was called to pastor in California. I pastored 22 years in Pasadena, California. Our bishop died, and they asked me if I would come and lead the National Association of the Church of God. And I did that for one term, and then we launched United Ministries International, and I began to pastor pastors both here in the United States and in Kenya, Africa. You look like a pretty young guy to have covered all that ground, (laughs) let me tell you. And those years in California, that's where you met Obadiah, is that right? Yes, that's right. I pastored this young man, and he was my assistant pastor, one of the most loyal and um, kind uh, people I've ever met. And today's ceremony on his behalf for his... um, being elevated to lieutenant colonel was like a pinnacle for me to observe him and to know where he had come from. Obadiah, as you are growing up and this man was your pastor, yes. 
Give us one thing about Tyrone Cushman that you admire. Not afraid. Not afraid. <laughs> yes. He will not be intimidated yes. no matter how tall the mountain or how great the challenge. Yes. No small thing. And Tyrone, as we read this passage about reconciliation, I know it's been kind of a life verse for you. Yes. Help us understand what it says to you. When you read that verse, when you think about that text and you look about the world in which you walk, what does it tell you to do? Well, uh, Jim, first of all, I was impressed by your calling it one of the most compelling passages because that's precisely what I say. And the passage actually is written in the context of verse 16, about three or four verses above that, uh, which says, so from now on we will regard no one from a worldly point of view. And that causes us to read everything after that from the perspective of there's a perspective of the world and then there's a perspective of the kingdom of God. And uh, so I see 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, which says uh, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I see that from a totally spiritual point of view, and it covers all areas. It covers relationships. It covers religion. It covers race especially. And just as you were describing, the, in an expositional way, the, the context and the chapter, it struck me that the world's way of looking divides. It yes. creates barriers and chasms and differences. It emphasizes how we are not alike. Is that fair? That's right. And what, what the Scripture is saying is when we're in Christ, we don't look that way anymore. We start to see our lenses are changed. Uh, we have a lens implant, as it were, to be able to see more clearly who we really are, and actually what we have in common. Exactly. In fact, when we began to examine how we once looked at it, and he says we no longer do that, the first question, I've been asked this question, well, what is the worldly point of view? And the worldly point of view um, makes me think of another passage in Scripture which says, uh, man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart. So it tells us that we can no longer look at each other from the surface and just accept what we see with our eyes. And we judge things before we understand them and know them, but that we have to wait a minute to see the heart of a person before we judge it. That old uh, saw, don't judge a book by its cover. There you go. I mean, even just seated exactly. in here with you, clearly uh, we're different. I'm looking at the two of you thinking, boy, these guys are really handsome guys. I'm the one that's not so handsome. So see, <laughs> I'm trying to create a barrier. There's a native sense of trying to separate myself out. On the other hand, as I walk through life, I kind of subliminally, subconsciously, maybe in my native desire, I want to find people who are like me. Hmm. And so then I'm categorizing, well, they're not really like me. And so my relationships are defined by that worldly view. And I think that's true for all human nature. When we come back, uh, Tyrone, let's talk a little bit about how this scripture empowers us to walk away from that ordinary sense of seeing others and to look supernaturally through the lens of heaven. Our guest today is Tyrone Cushman. He has a long and distinguished ministry as a pastor, as a bishop, as a leader of men and women in the faith of Jesus Christ. And uh, Tyrone has a special passion for a ministry of reconciliation. We've been talking about how we 
by the world's measure, tend to divide ourselves as people groups, as communities, as ethnicities, as cultures and nations in all kinds of ways. Short, tall, skinny, fat, old, young. I mean, there's so many ways in which we can separate ourselves from one another. But a ministry of reconciliation helps us understand what we have in common, and that's where life is found. Before we talk about how to make that happen, can you think of some illustrations, Tyrone, just for our listeners who may not connect the dots? Why is it damaging to see the world's way? What are some of the illustrations of our world today that need reconciliation but are being defined by a less-than worldview? Well, there are so many. I think first racially, perhaps because as a black man, I have experienced such division and separation that it becomes a part of your psyche almost, makes you paranoid, and it causes you to develop habits that will soon become antisocial and um, not productive. So reconciliation then for me had to become something different, something that worked, something that was practical. I heard John Perkins say in a meeting that uh, to paraphrase verse 19, again, I repeat it, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And this is the most powerful part of the passage, not counting men's sins against them. And he paraphrased it to say, we must say to friends and foes alike, come on home, God is not counting that mess against you. And that begins to change your whole paradigm. Am I hearing you say that as a black man, you found yourself walking in a world where you perceived that others were making prejudgments about you, dividing themselves from you based on the color of your skin, and that that also bore fruit, negative fruit inside, because then you do become suspicious and cynical, and and you kind of prejudge others then because you've been prejudged. And that cycle robs life. Oh, my. You've said that perfectly because uh, not only was my experience one that made me see myself as a victim, but as you said, and this is somewhat of a confession perhaps, but it did shape a prejudice in my own mind. I call it sometimes a paranoia where I had negative expectations. So before you got a chance to show me who you were, I knew you already. At least I thought I knew you already. You were already framing before you even knew. That's right. And that's how you felt people approached you too. Yes, it's a vicious cycle. And that leads to so much chaos and sorrow and loss and anger and resentment. I mean, all of these are are phenomenon of human experience that don't bring us anywhere good. They don't contribute anything healthy, but that's real life. And so that brings us to this Jesus deal. Jesus, looking at us, could find all kinds of reasons to push us aside because we're all carrying baggage. None of us have been all that. None of us do everything just right. There's a reason why we could be excluded from the company of Jesus, but no. God said, through Jesus, I'm going to reconcile myself to you. And now we have that ministry of reconciliation. How do we do that? It's the only legitimate ministry in Scripture. And he says he has given to us this reconciliation and that God was in Christ. So as we look at the life of Christ, we are seeing 
the physical presence of God and what God thinks. He comes as a minority, in fact. God in Christ. Christ is born into the world as a minority, not under ideal circumstances. And immediately, many barriers are set up for him. But it appears that he becomes almost blind to the barriers because he is focused on the good. He is focused on bringing people back to God, bringing people to a genuine love because God is love. And that becomes his mantra. That becomes the thing that Jesus manifests to the world, ultimately all the way to his death. God so loved the world that he gives us Jesus. And Jesus manifests the way of life. The Bible says he was tempted and he was tried. He went through junk like all of us go through, and yet he did not violate other people. And Jesus emphasized our common need. Mm. Brings us all together, doesn't it? Yes, it does. The famous passage that in Christ we're neither Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, male nor female. The, The common thread of humanity, the common need of all of us to be reconciled, and the common hope of life in Christ. This is 
It's our privilege to have as our guest today Tyrone Cushman, and his ministry of reconciliation has touched many, many lives, including that of our own Obadiah Smith, who is our co-host here today, and much more. And uh, Tyrone, as we're thinking about this supreme ministry of reconciliation, God is reconciling himself to us and us to him through his son Christ, and now we have the opportunity to actually become instruments in that ministry of reconciliation. All of us have a native tendency, just left to our own devices, to make prejudgments about people who are different from us. And yet, we clearly have a lot more in common than we do things that separate us. In the world in which we walk, Tyrone, what would you recommend that we do, that I could do, or someone listening today could do, to take this ministry of reconciliation that Jesus has placed in our hands and bring it to life where we live? It seems to me that we must now find practical ways of relating to each other. I often say that relationship is the currency of the kingdom of God. And before we are able to change anything, we must have a relationship. Uh, So simply said, I have to concentrate on developing relationships. Once I develop a relationship, if I can invite you to my house and feed you some greens cooked in ham hocks and <laughs> some some black-style macaroni and cheese. Real um, macaroni and cheese. <laughs> so that, that phony stuff yes. I've been yeah, growing up with. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then we sit around and talk, and suddenly you have the unmitigated gall to tell me, what is this stuff? I don't like that at all. Now I know that's a breakthrough because we have shed our shells. We have become very honest. We can say what we like and what we don't like, and we remain in relationship, which tells us that we can do anything else. And we can then learn from what each other knows, because I will listen to you, I'll believe you. But if I am sitting in front of you, and I'm watching you eat, and I know you don't like what you're eating, but you're polite, and you tell me that, oh, it's wonderful, then mistrust will be forever in my belly no matter what I say. So it is coming into common relationships that teaches us each other's weaknesses and strengths and frees us to be reconciled, to come back together as human beings. Now I relate to you as a human being, uh, not as a preacher, uh, not as a friend. There's something I want out of you. Mm -hmm. Be intentional about engaging some people who are different from me. And that might be a racial difference. It could be an age difference. It could be a language difference or all kinds of differences. But don't just hang out with people who are already like you. Yes. And in that pursuit of that intentional relationship, create safe places to be authentic so that I can be honest in the conversation and the freedom of understanding that can come from that. The world is filled with headlines these days with huge barriers. These are canyons that separate people, sometimes even in their own town. We're not so far removed from all of the tragedy and the trauma of Ferguson, Missouri, for instance, where a community uh, found itself on different sides of the street, uh, where there was so much tension consequent to all kinds of prejudice and fear and doubt, hard to get people from different views to talk to each other and so on. I mean, 
the nation was riveted by that unfolding sad story. How does this ministry of reconciliation, Tyrone, you think, actually speak into the fabric of our community's life? A moment ago, you talked about intentionality, and I believe it all begins from premeditating what we're going to do. What do we want? Do we want to live in a world of peace or a world of chaos? What do we want? The world of tension or some kind of tranquility? In order to have what we want, uh, like minds must come together and declare it. They declare it not by the words, I declare this, but by dedicating themselves to being a part of peaceful action. After the Ferguson incident, there was a lot of tension, as you say. And uh, maybe you and I can remember other incidents that brought the nation to a standstill almost as we were mesmerized uh, by what had happened and we were taking sides. And I think, uh, uh, Jim, this is what is needed with us today. Somebody somewhere has to say sorry. As I met uh, President um, Clinton before he was going out of office, and I was two seconds from having enough time to say to him, would you please say as a white president, would you just say sorry to my people? We forgive easy, but somebody's got to say they're sorry for this chaos that we were cast into because of slavery. And um, I didn't get that, but as we come together, as we look at what can be done now, uh, I believe we have to come all the way to that point. And I, I, I pray that it doesn't sound too religious, but at some point, I was always taught at home when something went wrong and we had fights in the family, my mother would not allow us to eat unless we said sorry. And if we acted like we didn't mean it, it was the same thing. still a no-go. That was a no-go. So um, at this point, I think we have come to, it's over simple maybe, but uh, somewhere along the line, we must set up a forum where people can fall in each other's arms and say, I'm sorry I don't want to live like this. Please forgive me for the role I played or the role my people played or whatever it is that we can say. Well, I think you've just identified a very important, maybe third step, and that is the acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. And to be honest about that, even if we don't see ourselves as personally responsible, we can acknowledge the outcomes and the suffering and the difficulties that are consequent to human error. And I may need to say I'm sorry for your journey or your ancestor's journey, but I first have to know you to experience what that means, and back to the understanding, the intentionality of relationship, comprehending what, what the journey has actually been, and then experiencing the sorrow of that, and to express regret, and a commitment to help mediate that going forward. And that's true for every people group and everyone who lives. And it is Jesus in the middle, Because without the supernatural transformation of the heart that Jesus brings, it's impossible, humanly speaking, to get to that level of reconciliation. And folks, wherever you are today, whatever your community, whatever your challenges, maybe in your working place, in your house, in your neighborhood, at your school, maybe as you travel to other parts of the world, wherever you are, if you perceive a gap, just pay attention. If you're sensing that there's some kind of broken place, 
Open your heart and your eyes and your ears, your spirit to that of Jesus. And then be intentional about engaging someone you do not know or maybe someone who's different from you. Be intentional about developing a relationship. And yes, it's risky, but you have to take the risk. Be intentional about hearing and learning and being able to say how sorry you are. Experience the loss of someone else. And in all of that, in a very powerful way, you can understand the man of sorrows who is our Lord and has made a way for us to be reconciled, not just with each other, but with our maker. Yes. We want to invite you right now to take a step with us toward this end by joining us in prayer. Our Father, today we want to thank you for your son Jesus, for the price that you have paid by sending him to us that we might be reconciled to you. We know we don't deserve it. We know, Lord, that we've done nothing to earn your favor. We simply can accept your grace. And we're so sorry, Lord, for all the times we have failed you and grieved you because of our own short-sighted, selfish way. We thank you, Lord, that as you have allowed us to be reconciled to you, that you've also charged us to reconcile others. We pray, Lord, that in this week ahead, before one week passes, all of us will have a chance, will have the opportunity, and will have the heart to reach out to someone different from us and to start building a bridge of reconciliation. May the world be more at peace. May we find more peace in our own hearts with you because we, by design, by our intentionality, embrace this call to a ministry of reconciliation. And we pray in the single and sacred name of Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus who makes a way where no one else can make a way, if you'd like to know more about how you can be in a ministry of reconciliation or yourself find peace with God, give us a call. Just dial this number 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're always by the phone and we are always glad to hear from you. Obadiah, if someone wanted to check us out online, where would they go? www.cbhviewpoint.org Jim. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's our ambition, viewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email and we will reply. Or at the last, just send me a letter by post. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call, whether you go online, or whether you send me a letter, please let us hear from you this week. Tyrone Cushman, thank you so much thank for joining for us today. Thanks for your work over a lifetime. And Obadiah, thank you for coming alongside. Great to be back, Jim. I salute you, salute. my Lieutenant Colonel. Yes, sir. <laughs> and we are so thankful that all of you have joined us today. We hope you'll be with us again next week on Viewpoint as we try once more to help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.